Fight Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. Welcome to the Owl Chat Podcast, a very special episode, I guess as they would say in the 90s. Um, we are going over the uh, Kennesaw State signing class of 2024. I am joined here by Nick Masseroni, who is filling in for uh, Kai, known hereforth as Producer Nick. And I'm also joined by uh, Coach Nick Parada, uh, class of 2020, 2017, Kennesaw State. Uh, he was a defensive tackle for the Owls, uh, was part of the inaugural uh, bunch of kids there. Um since uh, leave, graduating from KSU, he served as a grad assistant for one year, uh, was at uh, Washington and Lee University as a defensive line coach from 2018 to 2020. That's a D3 school. And since 2020 has been the defensive coordinator at uh, Holy Innocence here in the Atlanta area. So here, for, here forward, we're going to call him uh, coach. So we got producer Nick and coach Nick. But uh, don't want you guys to be too confused. You'll be able to separate them. Coach Nick's going to be doing more of the football talk. Um, thank you guys for joining me. How are you doing today, Coach? Doing great, John. Appreciate you having me on. It's a, it's an exciting time for Owls football and uh, our first FBS signing class. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Producer Nick filling in for Kai. How are you, Producer Nick? I'm doing well. Uh, still recovering after uh, last night's fun for the Super Bowl and uh all the festivities that took place with uh, seeing Taylor Swift on screen and taking a shot and repeating that until the end of the game. So uh, I'm finally back in a good mindset. <laughs> Does this mean after the parade, we can just stop talking about Taylor Swift altogether for like ever, or I guess this is going to mean more Taylor Swift talk. We are never, ever, ever talking about Swift nice i see what you did there i disagree i think she's great <laughs> no she is we were actually uh, i remember uh vividly we were actually rocking out to some taylor swift uh, on the drive up to etsu for the first ever football game uh almost had an accident there uh, shout out to another uh, nick who was driving not one of you guys but uh great job uh but luckily uh we're all perfectly fine i'm sure he remembers that and hopefully he's listening um uh, so great. Yeah, let's get this thing started. So we're going to preview the Owls signing day class, which consists of 23 players as of right now. Uh, there's probably going to be some more signings. We'll get to those, you know, as they come. We'll probably figure out a way to, you know, squeeze them in on a midweek or do another special or something like that if it's worth it. Um, so this class consists of 15 traditional high school signings, one international signing, four D1 transfers, and three JUCO transfers. Uh, positionally, we have 10 offensive linemen, four defensive backs, three defensive linemen, three receivers, one linebacker, one tight end, and one quarterback. So did you get all that? Don't worry. We'll go over it again real soon. So let's jump right into this. So we'll kind of be reading off a little bit about each player, and then we'll send it to Coach Nick to give his uh, film eval. And I think it's important for uh, you know Coach Nick now to kind of, before we jump into any players, just kind of explain the limitations of what you can get by watching film online and highlights. Yeah, I mean, obviously you can't go live eval every single kid. You can't watch full games as a you know high school coach. Um, but I'm able to look at their highlight tapes, look at other things that they've posted, um, and just kind of be able to figure out what they do well, 
maybe some things that I have question marks on or uh, maybe where I see their positional fit being uh, in, in our program, which is all kind of up in the air as well with a new offense, two, you know, two co-coordinators coming in now with Chandler Burks and Stuart Cook and then um, a new defensive coordinator taking over from within as well and Coach Harris. So um, lots of new from the schematic side. So it'd be a little interesting to see maybe where everyone fits, but um, for the most part, pretty uh, standard eval process. Okay. What have you heard about what Kennesaw State is running this year? Have you heard anything through the grapevine? Yeah, I mean, from what I understand, from a defensive standpoint, we're going to transition more to a 3-4 system. You know, you saw the move with Coach Klein moving back to linebackers. Hired Coach Pelton to take the D-line on. Um, you know, Coach Harris will take the outside backers. We hired two DB guys. So um, I'm really looking forward to that that shift. Um, I was a 4-2-5 guy for a long time under Coach Newberry. And then when I got to Holy Innocence, I actually became more of a 3-4 guy. So I'm, I'm actually really excited to see how they make that transition because I do think it's something that a lot of defenses in college football are moving to is a little bit more multiple 3-4 system. And then from an offensive standpoint, I mean, I have no idea. I, I think that based on the offensive line hire and Coach Norcross, he's got some ties to Coach Klinakis. I think that we're going to kind of continue a little bit of his vision with, you know, Coach Cook and uh, Coach Coach Burks. So so weird for me to call him Coach Burks, former teammate. Uh, Chandler <clears throat> putting their own touches on the offense, you know. Um, they're both super capable, longtime Kennesaw State folks. They're going to they're gonna do a great job of building kind of the foundation that was set last year with a transition away from the option. And what can you kind of tell us? You know, I'm sure you know Chandler uh, very well. And I imagine, you know, just being in the program for three years, and I think Coach Cook might, might have been there too, the 2015 and 2016. What do you know about those guys? You know, nothing too crazy, but, you know, sharp guys, uh, you know, good, solid thinkers, personable with the players, relates well. Oh, yeah. But both of them are awesome, awesome coaches. Coach Cook was there. Um, from He's he's an OG, as we call him, um, an original gangster of the of the program he's been there since day one um awesome guy everybody loves playing for him um has been tackles and tight ends he's kind of moved around based on the offensive system but um long time Kennesaw State offensive coach uh, think the world of him and then obviously Chandler you know outstanding quarterback that played for us um was like having another coach on the field when he was a player so him coming back after just a year away at Wofford was no surprise. And then to see him continue to grow within the program from a coaching standpoint is not, not surprising at all. He's a very intuitive, creative thinker. I, I, I can see where his mark within the offense is going to be made from the creative side of things of, you know, a lot of this, this new stuff that offenses are starting to run in the, the gun uh, triple systems. You see a lot of, um, you know, didn't we basically have, to an extent in the past co-coordinators like coach uh, chestnut and i think coach Worley did a lot right yeah when i was there um obviously coach chestnut was the offensive coordinator when when we were under center triple obviously coach bohannon is extremely well versed there and has a lot to say and what goes on there but coach Worley was kind of the the sounding board of bouncing different ideas off coach chestnut back in the day and so i'd be in the box kind of learning as a ga and um it was it was there was definitely lots of talk between those two so i think that any good coordinator um, is going to listen to their assistants, is going to bounce ideas off their assistants, and is going to try and implement some some different things that maybe assistants might bring up. So, although some there may be one person at the end of the day who you know has the title of coordinator, it's definitely always been a collective effort, at least from um, a Kennesaw standpoint. Yeah, and I personally imagine that Coach Bo is going to have a much bigger uh, say into the offense this year, just because you know Coach Coach Klanakis could probably big time him a little bit. Like, hey, this is my offense. I wrote a book. I did the these DVDs, go search me on eBay, uh, Amazon, get it, you know, but now coach Bo can kind of say, you know what, I'm doing it my way. 
you know, here's some things I guess maybe we we all liked last year, but you know what? Maybe we want to go out of, you know, go under center a little bit more or, you know, maybe we'll keep some pistol, but not not too much just to change it up since we've already been doing it. We, you know, we know the schematics a little more from Coach Klonakis. Is What do you kind of think on that? Yeah, I think us, I, th- I do see us being a little more multiple from an offensive standpoint. I see us potentially getting into some more under center stuff and getting into the pistol stuff that coach Klonak has implemented. I see us running some traditional spread stuff as well and running, you know, your power reads and your, your typical spread concepts, um, especially with the recruits that we have coming in. We have guys now that, you know, can run routes, can do different things from, um, from an athletic standpoint that we've kind of not had before. We've always had one or two really good ones, but to have multiple in this class, like we do is uh, certainly something that we're going to be able to do a little bit more from the offensive standpoint. Absolutely. And to segue into that, um, you know, to run, you know, an offense, especially our new offense, especially at the FBS uh, level, then, um, you know, we're going to need bigger guys. And that's exactly what we see in this class. And we're going to go over the offensive linemen first. And I just kind of want, uh, you know, before we get started, um, Coach Nick, what's the, I guess, the general uh, profile that you're looking for in an offensive lineman for what you think we're going to do. Obviously, besides, you know, we're looking for, you know, plus 300 pounders, maybe not always in the past, you know, 280, 290 could get it done. And, you know, maybe some smaller tackles. Like if you remember when we started the program, uh, CJ Collins, Zach Mit- uh, Mitchler, but what are we looking for? Yeah, I think moving into FBS especially is going to change the measurables that we're looking for. But um, transitioning away from the option, you're total. You're looking for a totally different person uh, up front. You know, we we needed kind of some some smaller road graders, more athletic offensive linemen that could veer and scoop and climb to the second level and block linebackers and hunt down safeties. That's not what we do anymore. So those the body types that we're looking for are much longer. Um, you'll hear that a lot at you know at the combine and stuff like that. Like oh his length or his you know whatever that is his length his wingspan. Um, those are the things that we're looking for, and you see that in this class. I mean the first couple guys we talk about are six four, six five, you know six three. Six seven. Um, we've not had a lot of those guys in the past, um, and so hopefully um, this is a trend that we'll continue to see. And I think that it's that us being an FBS has put us in conversations that we were not or that we were not in before with with guys of this size. Yeah, and I actually spoke to a few prospects, and they told me, you know, the Conference USA stuff, you know, was the first thing out of their mouths when I talked to them on Twitter through DMs. Like that kind of got their foot in the door, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. But let's start off with. Um, Three of the guys that are actually enrolled right now, uh, some of the JUCO transfers, they're on campus, signed, sealed, and delivered as they come. Uh, we'll start off with Zacchaeus Williams. He is a 6'4", 325-pound offensive lineman that we inked during the early period, which I guess I'll call the early period, what, December 7th or whatever it was. Uh, he's originally from Callaway High School in Jackson, Mississippi, where he played for head coach Chadwick, Germany. Uh, And we'll get back to Germany shortly, guys. Just wait for it. Uh, But Williams has played for three schools before KSU, which could be a bit of a orange red flag here. I don't know the I don't know the story, but uh, he started his collegiate career at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, played in five games before going to FBS New Mexico and playing in three games and earning a red shirt. He then moved to Holmes Community College, where he played six games and helped lead his team to a six and three record. Prior to choosing KSU, Williams had a long, long list of FCS offers, including Mercer, Eastern Kentucky, and Stephen F. Austin. His only other FBS offer was from UMass. Uh, Williams will have two years left to play for the Owls. Uh, Coach Nick, what can you tell us about Zacchaeus Williams? 
Well, for one, I think, you know, my eligibility ran out in 2017 and I think I still have an offer from UMass. So I don't know how much their, their offer uh, always means, but uh, I, I like, I like this guy a lot, you know, obviously the, you know, multiple schools used to be a concern back in the day, but in today's era, this is, this is what we're, this is what you see. Guys going to junior colleges right out of high school because maybe they didn't have the offers that they thought they would like or that they would get. Um, he goes to New Mexico and maybe just didn't, it wasn't the right fit for him. So decides to go back to JUCO um, to kind of see what other options he may have. And that preserves another year of eligibility for him. Um, and so he, he ends, he ends up, you know, with two years left to play. Um, I see him as a solid, you know, combo blocker. I don't love him as a one-on-one kind of guy. Um, he's not a guy that I, I see you know, being a tremendous base blocker. I see him as a great kind of, of that guy that can chip and climb up to the second level. Um, so definitely, fitting our zone zone scheme a little bit more than maybe what we used to do. Um, you know, kind of in my notes here, I've got, he's not a road grader, but shows the ability to get to the next level and climb. Um, but I do love kind of the, the nastiness that he shows on film. He, he, he definitely has some eat in him. Um, and that's something that I noticed about a few of these guys is that the way they, they finish blocks and the way that they kind of have that nastiness about them, that's something that we need to get back to up front in order to kind of improve our identity of what our brand of football is about. So uh, solid pickup, great frame. Um, I'm, I'm really interested, obviously, to see how we utilize them in our new offensive system. There's a lot of question marks there. Um, but it, but go, going off of what we've kind of been doing, I feel like he, he's going to do a, a great job of, you know, being that guy that kind of combos up to, to, the, to the second level. And he's a big guy, uh, 6'4", 325. That's big, That's listed as much bigger than, you know, any of our others by about, I think, like 20 pounds. Uh, would you say that he moves well for his size? Did you notice it apparently on film that he was maybe a little bit bigger than some of the other guys you watched? I did. Yeah, he definitely moves well for his size. I do think there are other guys that we're taking that move a little bit better for how big they are, but um, he definitely moves well for how big he is, um, which is going to be um, you know, some, very important with kind of the the schemes that we run from, from an offensive standpoint. Um, you know, he comes from uh, Callaway High School in Jackson, Mississippi. There's good football in Jackson. I don't know a ton about it. I know a little bit. Um, so I, I think he comes from uh, a good, you know, a good football area. He's played at some good uh, JUCOs and obviously landing at New Mexico. Um, he, he's shown that he has the capability of playing at, the, at a high level. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do uh, with us. And it's I bet he had uh, lined up mostly at left guard and right guard, correct, is what you were seeing on tape? That's right. Yeah, mostly at guard. Um, I think he probably stays there based on some of the length that uh, some of the other positions that we've seen. Um, I, I think he would stay there. He does pull a decent amount too in his film, which we've not done a ton of. Um, so I'd be interested interested to see um, how we utilize him. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to our next uh, offensive lineman, also enrolled and currently on campus. We have Dodge Souser is a 6'5", 295-pound offensive lineman from Iowa. And more specifically, you guys can't make this up. He's listed on KSU's site, I believe, from Fort Dodge, Iowa. So, you know, I don't know chicken or egg, uh, which came first here, but uh, that was interesting. He attended Grinnell High School, where he was coached by his father, Brian Souser, and also played a bit with his brother, Dallas Souser, um, who is uh, now a quarterback for Iowa Central College. Uh, Souser was a Rivals and 24-7 three-star recruit and started his college career at Iowa State in 2021, where he redshirted his first year and did not see any action in his second year. He got into some off-the-field trouble and ended up spending the 2023 season at Iowa Central Community College alongside his brother. Uh, Prior to choosing the Owls, Souser held offers from CUSA member Western Kentucky, along with FBS offers from Old Dominion, New Mexico, 
Cough Cough UMass, and Louisiana Monroe. I believe Souser will have two seasons of eligibility remaining. Uh, Coach Nick, what can you give us on Dodge? Well, for one, all-name team. I mean, Dodge, just, you know, great, great name. Um, but I, I do like um, that he played for his dad. I think that the coach's sons um, always end up being great players. They're usually, you know, more students of the game than other kids are, um, especially being on the offensive line. Um, I, I really like this kid. I think he is a long body, which is hard to find, right? That's the six five, six sixes of the world, um, 300 pounds or almost. Um, but he's also really physical. You know, he's not a six five that can kind of just, you know, get in the way. He, he moves people out of the way. Um, you know, his ability to pull pass set and zone block with his length is really special. Um, and I, I feel like he really uses his hands well and appears to have really good feet. Um, so th this is one of my favorite gets um, on the offensive line. I know he hasn't played a ton um, at the FBS or FCS levels. Um, so I, I'm interested to see how he looks in games. But I, I, I feel like this was a really, really good get based on his Juco film that I was able to watch. Um, super excited about um, just the way that he the way that he moves as a six five kid. Um, you don't you don't see those guys pulling off. Yeah. And coming from. Uh, coming from Iowa State as well, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, opens your eyes a little bit, you know, the magnitude that he, you know, originally was recruited at. So that kind of helps out a bit. So I guess, what do you think the Owls can get out of Dodge? I just wanted to say get out of Dodge, Coach Nick. That's not a real question. So don't worry. But uh, was that, guess, yeah, so you see uh, Mr. Souser uh, starting on the interior offensive line or possibly competing to start. I do. I see him in the mix early. There's there's a few in this class, especially the junior college and transfer um, kids. I, I see them being in the mix early. Um, I, I definitely see him playing interior offensive line, especially with some of the six seven and, and six other six five guys that we have coming in at tackle. I see him being an interior defensive or offensive lineman. Awesome, awesome. Uh, up next, we have another uh, JUCO transfer that's enrolled in uh, already enrolled at Kennesaw State. We have Chris Kane. A 6'7", 300-pound sophomore offensive lineman from Allen, Kansas, who played his high school ball at Mission Valley High School. Uh, he spent his freshman year at Hutchinson Community College, uh, who, and he finished the year as one of the uh, they finished the year as one of the top teams in the country. He held offers from FBS, Indiana State, and McNeese State prior to choosing KSU. He will have three years left to play. So uh, Chris Kane is a 6'7", 300. Does he have enough reach to, do you see him as a tackle, a guard? What can you tell us on uh, Mr. Kane? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, most of his film is at guard, um, but I, I think he's a tackle. Um, that may have been just out of necessity at, at Hutch. Um, there's been a lot of really good um uh, college football players that have come out of Hutchinson. It's been it's been a top junior college football program for a long, long time. Uh, a lot of my high school teammates ended up going on there and then on to SEC and other other places like that. So they do a great job um, coaching there. Um, I think he moves really, really well for a guy who's six foot seven. Um, and again, I imagine he's going to play tackle for us. Um, he shows the ability to pull and climb, which again is something that you're kind of noticing as a trend amongst these three that we've talked about. Is all of them pull? Um, so for a team that has not showed a lot of pulling from an offensive standpoint, you know, it looks like we're still going after those athletic linemen more so than, you know, the, the Orlando Browns of the world that can kind of just swallow defensive ends up just because of their length and their size. Um, I, I really like this kid. I think he's got great feet for his size. Um, he's got super long levers. I feel like his, his wingspan is probably close to seven foot. 
um, which again is going to make him an ideal tackle, um, hopefully pass setting for a really good quarterback and a really good system. Um, I'm, I'm super excited about these first three that we've talked about from the, from the junior college level. Yeah. And I talked to somebody who ha- knows somebody in the scouting service or whatnot a month, you know, a couple months ago when they committed at, he basically said, you know, all of the linemen were pretty athletic um, is kind of a trend. I guess that's, you know, they're doing a lot of pulling. So I guess you must agree on that. And that's something that, you know, we, we're going to have size now. And, you know, I think this is going to open up a lot of, a lot more options for the coaches. Last year, it felt kind of like we were just trying to plug and play as much as possible. And then they kept getting hurt. And, you know, we didn't have guys that could block, you know, man up and block and move the pile, that kind of thing. This is going to open up a whole new world for us, I think. Totally. I think these guys are versatile. I think that if we wanted to run some more power gap scheme stuff on the offensive side, you know, where you have guards pulling in the H back, you know, the Carson Kent splitting across the formation and running some of that stuff. Um, I do see, I do see our offensive line being a lot more versatile moving forward. Awesome. Now the uh, coach, I do have a question for you. Yeah. The offense that Chandler was studying at Wofford, did they kind of specialize in any pulling? Cause I'm curious to see like, does he have that experience in in seeing that from an offensive perspective? Because you're saying we didn't do it, we don't do it a lot at Kennesaw. Like, how, how has he had uh, that exposure, or is that something that you think that he might be just studying and trying to understand to to scheme that going forward? Yeah, Wofford has has done some more gap gap scheme stuff. Um, they were they were still kind of a gun team back then. I I, I believe you know I was at Washington Lee at the time, so I wasn't paying a ton of attention to what Wofford was doing. Um, it's possible that, you know, that he's, he's seen some of that, but every team in the country runs a a lot of gap schemes. So it's, I don't feel like it's something that is, you know, that crazy to implement, you know, even at the high school level, we have teams that, you know, are predominantly spread zone teams, but still are able to run a couple of, of gap schemes. So I don't think it's totally out of the realm of possibilities, especially, especially with the guys that we have coming in, um, but I, I, you know, I can't really answer that. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if he got that experience from Wofford or not, but um, coach cook um, certainly, certainly would have had some of that experience from his high school and uh, former stops before Kennesaw. Dogwood golf club is a truly unique hybrid golf club, conveniently located near Smyrna Vinings and Marietta. The course is hybrid because they offer both membership and daily fee play. Owl fans be sure to mark your calendar The Owls Collective has a golf tournament scheduled for Monday, June 10th at Dogwood Golf Club to raise money for KSU athletes. Go to OwlsCollective.com for more details. Dogwood is a longtime supporter of all things Kennesaw, so be sure to visit their website at DogwoodGolfClub.com. Dogwood Golf Club, an official sponsor of the Owl Chat Podcast. Uh, up next is another transfer. I don't think he's on campus yet, but I'll get to that shortly. We have Jacob Kettles. He's a 6'5", 305 grad student with uh, two years left to play thanks to red shirts. He was born and raised in Greenville, South Carolina, and then moved to Leiden, Washington in seventh grade. His family moved back to Greenville recently, so he wanted to play closer to home, which is where KSU comes in. He also wanted more playing time. Uh, he joined Montana State in January 2020, He missed 2021 with injury. In 2022, he played in 13 games and started the final seven at right tackle. Last season, he played in eight games and started one. Uh, As I mentioned, he'll be graduating from Montana State this spring with a degree in business marketing. Uh, Kettles told uh, 406mtsports.com that moving up to FBS and helping build something big is pretty enticing when talking about KSU. 
Uh, Kettle's other offers out of Montana State besides KSU are unknown. So here's another experienced guy that we can bring in that I expect will have some kind of role right away, hopefully, assuming he can stay healthy. Uh, Coach Nick, what are you seeing on uh, Mr. Kettle's? Excuse me, yeah. I mean, 6'5", 305, and multiple years starting for a Final Four FCS program is, um, you know, music to my ears from an eval standpoint. You know, his film was kind of hard to come by because he's, you know, he's been playing in college for the last four years. Um, but any, again, anyone who started for an FCS Final Four team is someone that we want on our team. That kind of experience, um, being making deep runs in the playoffs, um, being a part of a culture that Montana State has had, uh, you know, even though we did, you know, get to them in 2017, they've been a perennial powerhouse in FCS football. So um, I'm super excited about this kid. Um, and it would be nice to get someone with a little bit more, you know, War, war experience up front. Um, he kind of reminds me of, you know, the Al Hogan from years past um, of the guy that transferred in after, you know, getting some experience from another school that had some success. Um, I, I see him kind of being the the leader of these kind of transfer transfer guys um, as someone that's had a lot of experience playing at a, at a high level. Hopefully it works out a little bit better than the Al Hogan uh, acquisition. Unfortunately, that one looked really good on paper, but it just didn't didn't end up working out. Uh, so I guess you would have been there. You went to Montana State, didn't you, as a grad assistant? Sure did. I was GA that year. It was uh, like 19 degrees at kickoff. They were they had tractors getting the snow off the field that morning. It was awesome. Yeah, it sounds like uh, either fun to play, probably fun to play in for like the first half, and then you're like, shit, let's just, you know, kind of want to go home. Our, our guys loved it, and the best part about it was I think we got paid like 200 k and they paid for our hotels to go out there. And so naturally, Jim Caritzi fired up uh, some take the money and run in the locker room afterwards. And uh, it was quite a quite an experience on the flight back. It was great. Yeah. What I guess Montana State really struggled to find some people to play him. They had to spend. It, it, I think it was a last minute, uh, kind of like how we had to this past year, find some games. I think they had a cancellation or because it was like a November game or a late, it was a late October game, which is unusual to have a non-conference game. So we had to kind of, they had, they had to really, you know, open up the checkbook to get an FC, another FCS team to come out there and beat them um, with a, I believe it was a Taylor Hinkle interception to end the game. Yeah. Well, if anybody Actually, needs the money, it's us. So I vividly remember that game because that was my freshman year. And that was the first away game that I think I had fully watched on TV and because we were that was like we were just starting to like understand like oh we're actually going we're going to the playoffs like this is this is happening yeah those were fun times let's hopefully we can get back to those it's a you know it's a it's good time for a football to make another run with basketball kind of looking down right now so you know we're okay. going the uh the the uh like a roller coaster here up and down so we're going to be a football school again soon hopefully so we'll see um but uh ne up next Benjamin Keens. Um, I mentioned we'd be getting back to Germany shortly, and this next signing is literally from Germany. Um, I spoke to Benjamin via Twitter, and he's actually listing himself uh, 14 pounds heavier than the KSU website. So we'll go with what Benjamin says. He's 6'7", 289. Uh, he went to high school at Schwabich Hall in Germany. He was also with the NFL Academy, which is an initiative from the NFL to help give football opportunities to people around the world. Benjamin tells me that he's going to play offensive tackle at KSU. I uh, used to play handball, soccer, and did judo and became a division championship with his team when he was 14. Uh, Benjamin is currently 19 years old and started playing football when he was 16. Uh, to my knowledge, Benjamin is the second 100% international player that KSU has signed. 
Uh, Finn Hazel Pokinghorn was signed in 2021, but that didn't work out, unfortunately. Um, I think it's a pretty safe bet that uh, Benjamin could see a red shirt in his first year due to, you know, only playing for three years and playing in Germany. And my God, even I'm, I imagine the high school competition in the bigger leagues in high schools in Georgia is let alone, you know, going to the FBS level. But I could be entirely wrong. So I'll leave it to you, uh, Coach Nick. Yeah, this was an interesting prospect. I, I mean, obviously, 6'7", 290 is an awesome frame. Um, he has excellent feet. You know, you can see on film, you know, which the film is kind of comical to watch after watching some of these other kids that, you know, play high-level high school football around here. Um, but the, you can see he's got really great feet and really good frame. Um, he's definitely a project. Um, I think he's a good get. I just, yeah, he's he's totally a red shirt this year and and see what we can build. I mean, he's only been playing football for three years. It's in, it's, it's in Germany. Um, you know, just little things like, you know, understanding – um, you know, different schemes and, and offenses that, that we run here in the States versus what they're doing in some of these NFL Academy schools um, is going to be a, a huge learning curve for him. But, you know, hopefully he buys in and enjoys his time here and, uh, you know, is a is a respectable owl. But um, the, the, the talent that he's playing against in his film is so poor that it's really hard to make a an accurate, you know, evaluation of him but for from from a frame and from an athleticism perspective it's definitely there i just want i just want to be able to see it against better competition yeah he's a he's definitely a lottery ticket um we're probably looking at least to probably probably closer to that three years down the road where he'll have possibly an impact um you know as an upperclassman he'll probably take a red shirt you know probably won't play much as a, as a redshirt freshman is what I'm guessing might play sparingly as a sophomore. And then, you know, one of those kids that'll probably really take off as a junior or senior could be wrong, but you know, when you don't have a lot of experience and you're transitioning to something new, no matter how quick you are to learn, it just, it's a lot at this level. Totally. All right. Up next, we have Kennesaw state's first commitment in the 2024 class, uh, Isaac Canizaro. Um, he's a 6'4", 265-pound offensive lineman from Meadow Creek High School in Lilburn, which is Gwinnett County outside of Atlanta. He played for Coach Todd Wofford. Actually, we interviewed Todd Wofford on the Owl Chat podcast and talked about Isaac. So if you go way back, you can probably find that episode. Uh, he was an all-county second-team offensive lineman as a senior. Uh, Canizaro listed offers from Maryland, Virginia Tech, Missouri, Kentucky, James Madison, Troy, and other FCS schools. Uh, so I think all these, I did some research and I think these, you know, big offers were fairly recent. And, you know, I talked to, I remember talking to coach Wofford and nothing stuck out. I, I think these were pretty legit offers. He just, you know, wanted to come to Kennesaw state and, uh, you know, what can the owl fans expect from Isaac? I think this is a tremendous gift for us. I mean, obviously the, the offers that he has speaks for itself, but that doesn't always, you know, always equate to talent. Um, but I, th I think it checks out here. I mean, he's a super athletic interior offensive lineman. So I see him probably playing guard um, or, or center. Um, he's, uh, he's one that I want to keep an eye on to see where he's at on the depth chart after fall camp. I mean, I think he could be in the mix super early. Um, he comes from a good football league, you know, Meadow Creek for a long time was really down and they actually had a big time resurgence um, in the last like four or five years. Um, and so, and they play, they play in a good football league. So he's played some against some really good talent. Um, you know, just the Walter Payton man of the year from Peachy Ridge from my high school uh, is in that league. So Gwinnett County football is kind of the, the best in the state. And so he, you know, for him to be, 
Um, and all county offensive lineman is a big deal. Um, you know, he he he's also shown um, his ability to to move really well. He pulls and kicks. And same thing with this guy that I said about a couple of others. He's got some some serious nastiness about him when he finishes blocks, um, which is nasty is kind of a word you want to describe offensive linemen, right? They're they're the guys that that need to move the bodies out of the way to make room for the the athletic guys to carry the ball, right? And um, you know. In the option system, we've we've made a living on not blocking two of the best guys, hopefully, on, on the defensive side. Well, we're not doing that so much, so we need some people movers, and this is one of those guys that I think is a people mover and um, can, can change the line of scrimmage a little bit and, and give us a little bit more of an edge up front. Um, so I'm super excited to see where Isaac ends up uh, as we go into fall camp and into year one in FBS. Where was he playing on the line um, in high school? Um, mostly guard, I believe. Um, I think I saw him at some center as well. Um, in fact, now that I'm, now that I'm thinking back, I mean, it's all been a, a blur a little bit. I think he played a lot of center. Um, you know, so a six, four, 265 pound center. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about. And he's, uh, you know, 200 and this is 265 pounds. That's awfully small for an FBS lineman, even at a center position. Uh, you don't, you know, you seem to think he can, you know, possibly compete right away. Is that something that, you feel he doesn't need to put on 10 to 15 pounds for a year before uh, making an impact? I mean, that's, that's definitely a possibility. I just, I know kind of the woes that we've had at center at times and I just seeing him come off the ball and finish blocks. I, I just, I'm not saying he may, he may start, but he could be very well be the number two or, or be pushing for some playing time early. And just, it's just in my opinion. Awesome. Well, let's get to another guy who I think is interior. Um, we will talk about uh, Benton Dunn. He is the first February signing uh, period player that we're going to be talking about today. He's a 6'3", 275-pound offensive lineman from Charles Henderson High School in Troy, Alabama. Um, there were one or two Troy fans, I think, that were kind of upset that Troy didn't uh, offer him or bring him in. He was a first-team All-State selection as a senior and started the Alabama North vs. South All-Star game. Dunn only listed offers from Birmingham Southern and Stetson. Uh, Stetson, of course, being non-scholarship, FCS, Birmingham Southern, I think, what, D2 maybe? I don't, I'm not sure. They are? Yeah, they're D3. D3, okay. Could it be an undersized thing? What do you think, you know, is holding, was holding teams back on Benton Dunn, and what are you seeing? To me, like, this is the definition of a gritty kid. Like, there's nothing eye-popping on his tape that's like, you know, oh, he's super technical, or he's a, you know, he doesn't have the the six 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 seven frame that some of these other guys have had. Um, but these are kids that we win with. Like, to me, these are the, the kids that have been overlooked in recruiting that just play their tails off and come in with with some grit and show why you know everyone else missed out on them right to, to prove to Troy that they should have taken the opportunity uh to take him you know he played at on Troy's field in a couple of games on his on his tape um you know so it's not like it, he was hard to find and you know if you're Troy and and some some of those schools you want to build a fence around Alabama and for us to go in and get him I think he's a great get again he yeah he doesn't have any crazy you know offers that that justify it. But to me, that, that that's not what recruiting is about. You know, we were just talking about uh, Isaac having Maryland and Virginia Tech and all that's fine and good. And, um, you know, in, in today's world, that doesn't always mean that they're legitimate offers. Um, I think Isaac's all were, but, you know, for, for him to just have Birmingham Southern and Stetson, um, I think is a good thing, right? There were, there have been multiple guys that we've brought in um, to, to, to Kennesaw State that have had nothing, I mean, my, my favorite example is Chance Bates, another Alabama recruit that Coach Cook actually recruited. And when I was GAing, it, we I mean, we were like 
trying to make sure that this kid never got found out because he was, we thought he was unbelievably talented and unbelievably good. And nobody took a chance on him, maybe because he was 5'11, right? Had he had been 6'1 or 6'2, you know, maybe he'd have been a, a Troy or a UAB type recruit. But I mean, these are the kids that we win with. And I think that this is a kid that we need to keep a close eye on. It's a good football league. He finishes blocks. Um, I'm, I'm super excited about this kid um, just to see where he ends up from a high school signee that didn't have a lot going on for him um, to, you know, four, four or five years down the road from now. Yeah, our initial class in 2014 was built on these types of kids. Um, Chandler Burks being one, who I don't think had any offers. Darnell Holland, I don't think he had any other D1 offers. And he was a, probably the maybe the best running back we've ever had. Yeah. Um, you know, And there's countless others that I can't think of off the top of my head that had very few uh, D1 opportunities. So like you said, they have the chip on the shoulders. They want to prove people wrong. You know, that's something that we've gotten away with, gotten away from a little bit over the past few years. Uh, Coach Bohannon emphasized it at the postseason press conference. He doesn't want people that like football. He wants people that love football and breathe football. And if you're going to be an offensive lineman now, you got to have that nasty. And I doubt he wants to bring in anybody that doesn't finish blocks and play that way. Yeah. All right. So up next, we have, uh, he's not from Gwinnett County, but his name is Jacob Norcross. <laughs> he's a bit undersized at 6'2", 280. Uh, comes from uh, Bishop Gorman High School in Nevada. Uh, it's pretty easy to see how he found his way to Kennesaw. Uh, his dad, Cameron, recently, and not officially yet as of this recording, but yeah, he's pretty much the offensive line coach his father is. Uh, Norcross listed offers from Tennessee State and Idaho State. I know there is not really any tape of, available on him on his uh, huddle page, or on, we looked on Twitter, we looked on YouTube, we looked all around. So this is going to be one of those ones where Coach Nick's going to have to just look at the intangibles here. Yeah, um, super excited about this kid. Obviously, wish we could see a little bit more um, tape on him, um, you know, or or any. Um, but Bishop Gorman is a top fifteen, top twenty program in the country, if not better. Um, it's right in Las Vegas. You know that QB one show has had a uh, had had the kid out there that um, that they followed. It's it's a tremendous program. Um, Jacob's, Jacob is a super smart kid. He posts a 4.1 uh, GPA and a perfect 36 on the ACT. So super smart kid, which is what you want, obviously, in an offensive lineman. Um, but then, he, again, he's got that nastiness about him. He was uh, he, he finished third in the state in the heavyweight in Nevada last year. So um, I, I think that this is a kind of a dark horse. Um, you know, we don't know a lot about him. So another one to keep an eye on. But the intangibles are there. He's a coach's son, obviously, with – um, us potentially hiring his his dad as our offensive line coach. Um, but these intangibles are awesome. I mean, you know, usually there's not a great correlation between a high ACT score and, and football athleticism, but, um, you know, being being third in the state in wrestling and just kind of looking at him, you know, looking at pictures of him from his Twitter and stuff like that, looks like an athletic, you know, solid kid. So excited to see what he can do. Yeah, and his dad's been coaching offensive line for like the last 20 years at a very high level. So, you know, he was raised on the right techniques and doing things the right way from the start. So, you know, he's probably not going to have, you know, many bad habits. And, uh, you know, his dad being there will probably help ease his transition to Kennesaw State. Totally. All right. Up next, we have uh, another February signing, Jarvis Adams. He's a bit more local. He's from Rome High School, where he played for head coach John Reed. Um, he's a 6'3", 270-pound offensive lineman. He was a three-time first-team all-region and first-team all-county selection. Adams listed offers from featured conference USA rivals Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee State. 
He also held offers from Georgia Southern and various FCS schools. Um, judging by his size, I'm is, is this another center candidate, Coach Nick, or am I wrong? Yeah, excuse me. But he has some interesting take. You know, his his first couple plays start with defensive line play, or maybe his first play, he's playing defensive end, and it's a pretty good clip. I mean, he's getting off the ball, and then the second clip, he's playing left tackle, and they actually are in, like, an unbalanced tackle over formation, and they throw him a screen, and he catches it and, like, makes three people miss and, you know, dives forward for a first down. So super athletic um, for his frame for being, you know, 6'3", 270, has great feet, great body control. Being a three-time uh, first-team all-region player in that region is quite quite a feat. Um, you know, Rome football is is outstanding. Um, you know, we've had some really good players from there, Desmond Johnson. Um, that that's in the same region with Cartersville and some of those really good schools up that way, Sonarville, in the home of uh, the one and only TG Tim Glanton. Um, the, the 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 city of what I think it's Three Hills and Seven Rivers is what he says about Rome, something like that. Uh, love you, Coach 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 Glanton. Looking forward to seeing how he uh, how he transfers in um, to the offensive line play as a freshman to see if maybe he is going to move to center being only 6'3", 270. You know, he he does some interesting stuff as a tackle, blocking in space, you know, running, you know, running downfield, finding different defensive backs. Um, I do see future potentially at center, um, but I do think he could also play some guard as well. So really interesting prospects. And again, the accolades speak for themselves at, you know, some, some really good football up there. Yeah, we've had uh, we've had center tackles here at Kennesaw State. Uh, C.J. Collins, uh, naming one who excelled at both positions throughout his uh, career at KSU. Sure did. All right. Up next, we have uh, Kalari Gordon, a 6'3", 320-pound offensive lineman from Carver High School in Montgomery, Alabama. Not the one in Atlanta. Uh, Kalari told me he chose KSU because they made him feel like a member of the family, and it's somewhere he can compete and further his skills. An interesting fact is that Carlari played baseball for his school, and I'd love to see him try to beat out a bunt because he is a he is a large man. Um, his cousin, Kanata Mumfield, is a wide receiver at Pitt who started all 12 games last season. Uh, Gordon was listed as a three-star player on uh, 24-7 Sports, or 247, however you want to say it, and listed offers from Texas A&M, Liberty, Southern Miss, UAB, Marshall Troy and various FCS schools. So this is a guy that's got a lot of uh, pub on paper, at least, and an offer, it looks like, from Texas A&M. Uh, Coach Nick, what's the scoop on uh, Kalari? I love this kid. I mean, this is a kid that we would have never sniffed if we were still in, you know, the Big South or uh, in FCS football. Um, th this is a different cat, right? The, the, these are the types of kids that we're starting to get to recruit that we that we were never in conversations with before. Um, that we were hindered based on just the level of football that we were playing. He's he's absolutely massive. I mean, like you said, it'd be hilarious to watch him try and run out of bunt. Um, but he can run. I mean, he can move for a th six three three hundred twenty pound kid. He is moving. I mean, you see him block a corner on a couple of different plays. And, you know, you know those guys that can move in space. He he is a super athletic three hundred twenty pound kid. And on tape, I think he looks even bigger than 6'3". I think he, you know, he he looks even bigger than that. Um, the clips of him blocking in space are super impressive. I, I expect this guy to be in the mix early um, as a younger guy. I mean, I don't expect him to, you know, start right away. Maybe, maybe he, maybe he does. I don't know, but um, I do, I do expect him to be in the conversation early on. Yeah, and um, you know, I'm I'm thrilled whenever I see Texas A&M on an offer list and a bunch of G5 schools. I'm thrilled. Um, looks like a very talented kid. 
And uh, like you said, man, I, I I hope he tries it. Coach Bohanna would never let him, but man, I wish he could try out for the baseball team. That would be, I just want to see the tryout. I don't want him to actually make it or play. We don't need that, but uh, I want to see him try out and hit some dingers. That'd be great. Be awesome. Uh, moving on to the defensive line now. Um, probably our most hyped recruit, actually. We'll start with him. Uh, transfer Donovan Westmoreland. He's a 6'1", 230-pound defensive end from Griffin High School in Griffin, Georgia. Uh, that's where, actually where uh, Coach Bohannon went to school. So if that sounds familiar, that's why. I'm um, not sure if that played any kind of factor in his recruitment or whatnot, connections and all that, but uh, just a connection there. Uh, Westmoreland graduated in 2021 and early enrolled at South Carolina in uh, January 2022 um, as a linebacker. He played in seven games that season, was named to the SEC Fall Academic Honor Roll. In 2023, he moved from linebacker to edge rusher and played in the first two games, but did not record any stats. He entered the transfer portal in November before signing with KSU. He was rated a four-star prospect uh, per 24-7 sports and was ranked as the 40th best player in the state of Georgia and the 39th best linebacker in the country. He was also rated as the 59th best player in the state and 39th best outside linebacker by rivals. Well, he's a defensive end now. So, you know, take that for what it is. And he's two years removed from high school. So uh, this offseason um, out of South Carolina, he had uh, offers from Western Kentucky, App State, UTEP, Southeast Missouri State, Jacksonville State, and UAB. Uh, Coach Nick, uh, is the hype here warranted? Totally. This, this kid is an absolute stud. I mean, this was one of my favorite kids to watch. Obviously, I'm biased as a you know defensive line guy, as a defensive guy. Uh, he's got an extremely high motor, um, but that only gets you so far. He has the the hands. He has the technique. Um, he has just the constant um, pass rushing plan that pops on film. The way that he continues to kind of work through blocks, you know, he works through, you know, absolutely just makes an offensive lineman whiff and then the running back steps up and he just runs right through him and gets a sack. I mean, he is a violent, violent physical football player. I love watching this kid's tape. I could watch it every day and be fired up for the day. Um, I'm super excited about this guy to be wearing the, you know, the black and gold. Um, he's got a great first step off the ball. He can flip his hips. He gets around the edge in a breeze. This is a guy I expect to start for us this year. No questions asked. I mean, and you know, no offense to my guy, Mason Harris, who I love to death that transferred from South Carolina. This cat is without a doubt, the you know, one of the best defensive ends that we may you know see come through here for a while. And he started off as a linebacker. Um, I guess, did you kind of see some of the linebacker film from South Carolina when you were watching and kind of see him, I guess, run more in space? Yeah, I mean, what he is is he's a three-four outside linebacker that you blitz half the time, right? That's that's what he is that you pass rush with. Um, he, you know, you see him do a little bit of stuff of working in space and playing in space, but his his natural ability is to rush the passer. Um, he's like a Von Miller type, you know, outside linebacker, that same kind of build. So, I'm um, I'm super thrilled to see how many different packages we can use with this guy in and put him, move him around, put him in different places. Cause on his tape, he's, he's rushing, you know, in the a gap on guards and he's blitzing off the edge and then they blitz him from depth and they walk him up. I mean, he's all over the place. So I'm, I'm super excited to see uh, how this kid plays this year. So he's not, so it's not going to be a traditional hands in the dirt rusher. He's going to probably going to move him around. 
I don't think so. I think the, I think that he would probably be that that hybrid outside backer, defensive end type. You know, you, you, a lot of people call it the rover or um, something like that. I, I could see him being in that position. Um, just just based on his frame, I don't see him being a true five tech. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I see him as the hybrid outside backer type. Okay. And you think uh, playing there in the Kennesaw State system, do you think we'll have to cover any, or is it going to be primarily just rush, rush, rush? You know, I mean, it depends on how multiple we are. I, I do think he'll have to cover some, but with, with that position, you're not going to ask him to do much. You're going to ask him to drop into space, drop under one, play the flat, nothing too crazy. He's not going to be, you know, carrying wheel routes and, you know, running, running with, you know, number two vertical through the zone. I mean, he just... I don't see him having to do a ton of that stuff. Not that I don't think he could. Uh, I definitely think he's athletic enough to do some of that stuff, but you just don't see the the boundary outside linebacker doing too much in the coverage space. You see him more as a as a run fitter first and a blitzer, um, and then kind of a secondary, uh, you know, cover the flat, um, sim- sim- more simple coverage stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. So up next is uh, Jackson Colvin, a 6'4", 238-pound freshman defensive end from uh, Geraldine High School in Geraldine, Alabama. In 2021, Geraldine had a population of 910 people. Um, it sits in DeKalb County, Alabama. Um, so, you know, he was the 2023 DeKalb County Athlete of the Year. So, you know, if he wants to talk some shit in Atlanta and he tells people he's the DeKalb County Athlete of the Year and put some money on it, he could probably swindle a couple people. So, uh, you know, I think he should uh, consider that. Um, Colvin told me what he liked most about KSU is how close the coaches and players are and how it felt a lot like a great community and great people. As far as stats go, he had 98 total tackles, two forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery with eight sacks and nine pass deflections. He also played some quarterback and completed 88 of 129 passes for 1,175 yards and 12 touchdowns, and he rushed for over 1,200 yards and 21 touchdowns. So he's a two-way player. We're going to see him at defensive end is the bottom line here. He runs a 4-7-40 is what he told me. Uh, He held offers from Moorhead State, UT Martin, and North Alabama. Uh, Coach Nick, uh, give us us the details on uh, Mr. Colvin. Yeah, Jackson's an interesting prospect. I mean, his very first clip of his tape, he's like a stand-up five technique, and the number two receiver runs in to crack block him, and he just absolutely murders the kid. Um, And then the very next clip, he's a quarterback and takes off 60 yards to the house. Um, So clearly a very good athlete, but also super physical. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how we utilize his frame in the 3-4 system. I also see him as kind of a hybrid, you know, rover outside backer type. Um, that can pl- that can play standing up on the line, but also play a little bit in space. Um, clearly, I mean, I don't think he's as athletic um, as Donovan from South Carolina, but I do think that you know, obviously, he's played some quarterback and done some different stuff. I do think he's athletic enough to be that that hybrid outside linebacker, or you know, again, de- de- depending on what Coach Harris wants to do, um, you know, I, I could see him playing some five technique from a, from either a, a stand up position or putting his hand in the dirt as well. So, super physical with his hands, violent with his hands. That's the big thing when evaluating, you know, defensive prospects in general is block destruction and seeing them use their hands. This kid is violent with his hands. He knows how to strike. He knows how to shed. Um, I think this is a really good get for us. Um, And I think that he's versatile and athletic enough that if we feel like we've kind of got the rover position figured out, I do think that he can find his way somewhere else within our our system because being in that 3-4, we're a a little more multiple than we have been um, kind of in that – not that more stagnant four, two, five front. Um, so I do, I do see him uh, being a major contributor somewhere for us. 
Awesome. Uh, up next, and the last defensive lineman before we uh, swing it over to uh, producer Nick, uh, we have uh, local talent, Jaden Grimes from Pope High School in Marietta. He's listed on the KSU site as a 6'2", 270, but he tells me he's a 6'2 and a half, 285. He will be playing interior defensive line for the Owls, is what he tells me. As a senior, he had nine sacks with two strip sacks, a block kick, 13 tackles for loss, and a fumble recovery. His dad, Onaji, uh, played defensive line at Northwestern around 2001, 2002-ish. So you know he, or hope he's well coached um, and grew up uh, with some good advice from his dad. Uh, Grimes listed offers from Austin P, Alabama State, and Morehouse. Um, what's the deal with uh, Jaden Grimes? Yeah, I really like this kid. He's a super athletic interior defensive lineman, which we've kind of made our hay on. Um, you know, we, we've never really had the massive, you know, run plugger defensive lineman. We've kind of always had the Travis Bell body types. And that's kind of exactly who this kid reminds me of um, based on his size and his get off. He has a super explosive get off. Um, you know, Pope has not been known for its its football in the past. They're they're certainly getting better. They're more of a baseball school, but his film certainly jumps off the tape. I mean, they play in a very good region. They play very good football. Um, you know, they've just been on kind of the the unfortunate side of a lot of those games. But um, I, I do love the way that he uses his hands, the way that he extends. Um, he can shed he can shed blocks in the run fits, um, but also has the ability to rush the passer. And you know, a lot of kids, especially high school tape, you see you see they they. Get, they have a great pass rush move, and then they can't quite make the sack on that elusive quarterback, or you know they they miss on the first attempt, and then circle back and you know follow it up with the second. I mean, he's a he understands leverage and knows how to play uh, within himself, and I, I that that shows on film. So I'm super excited to see kind of where he's at, but definitely a, an interior defensive lineman could be a shade um, or could be a four eye for us. Um, so I, I'm, I'm really excited about him. I think he, again, he reminds me a little bit of Travis Bell um, with his, his frame and his, his get off. Oh, anytime you can compare to Travis Bell, uh, I, that's, uh, that's a good thing. So I will take that. Uh, so that's all of our offensive linemen. That's all of our uh, defensive linemen. And I guess uh, pass rushers, as you might say, edges. Uh, so let's swing it over to producer Nick to uh, kind of take you uh, away to the uh, next position group, which is linebackers. Absolutely. And I do want to give a shout out to Kai. He prepped my material today. So I am truly just the vessel for his information. Um, so let's dive in. Uh, first up, we have Jaden Kimball is going to be a six foot 190 outside linebacker out of White Knoll High School in Western Columbia, South Carolina. After drawing interest from South Carolina earlier in his high school career, Kimball would land FCS offers from the Citadel and North Carolina Central, along with FBS offers from Georgia Southern and Kennesaw State. Kimball did play some running back as a high school senior and lists himself as an athlete on Twitter. However, he is expected to play exclusively at the linebacker position at the college level. Take it away, Coach Nick. Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise that he's played some running back. He can absolutely fly um, for someone that's six foot, 190 pounds. You know, his top end speed is up there with some of the best athletes that we've had um, in, in Kennesaw history. 
he plays downhill and is he's crazy violent at the point of attack. I mean, the way that he's striking, taking on blocks, making tackles. I mean, he is super physical. Um, something to to note in his film, and even there, there's a clip at about the 25 second mark at the end of his uh, senior season tape um, that shows you kind of running, chasing the heels down the line from the very backside of the play. He makes a tackle multiple times, chasing down from behind, and that I think that just shows you how fast he truly is. Um, he's going to be a super um, exciting prospect to watch on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and, and, you know, again, those type of plays that you see of, of the backside defensive end chasing down the running back from the other side, that's stuff you see on Sunday. So uh, I, I do, I have high expectations for this kid. I think he's going to be a really good player for us. Love it. Uh, next up, we have Quay McCoy, a defensive back transfer from Louisiana Monroe, listed at six foot one, 190 pounds. McCoy originally from Norman Park, Georgia, and attended uh, Colquitt County High School. Coming out of high school, McCoy was listed as a Rivals 2-star while being unranked by all other major, major recruiting sites. Um, no additional information on Quay's other offers uh, out on the portal, but he was offered by Kennesaw State out of high school before picking up uh, ULM. Uh, McCoy's biggest strengths appear to be his speed. He, he has a three kick return touchdowns in high school and ran a posted 1075 100 meter dash um, and as a freshman McCoy appeared in five games as a uh, at ULM and recorded five tackles in those games what do you got for us coach I I love this kid I mean he shows ability to blitz um, literally his first play of a senior tape is unbelievable like go watch it, uh, you know, link, link it on, on Twitter or X, whatever we call it. Right. Like he runs the quarterback down from behind, punches the ball out, scoops it, makes three people miss and then takes it 60 yards to the house and looks like he's like not even breaking stride to, to make it all happen. I mean, just absolute dude. Colca County football is big time football down in South Georgia. Um, this guy can flat out fly. I see him really thriving in our three, four system under uh, coach Harris. He, he can line this guy up anywhere. You can put him at corner. You can put him outside linebacker. You can put him at safety. I mean, he can, he can thump like he's not just a one trick pony. He does it all. Um, he knocks people back when he tackles them. I mean, every tackle he makes, you see him continuing to run his feet through contact. He's not scared of it. Um, that's again, that, that's a competitive region down there in South Georgia. Um, this kid, this kid reminds me of a much faster Marquise Montgomery from a um, skill set standpoint. You know, we, we would blitz Marquise. He could, he could cover, um, play in space. He was physical. I, I, I see a lot of really good stuff coming from Quay. Now, do we also see him fitting in on uh, special teams and doing, picking up any return duties along the way? Because I mean, we just had our, uh, our most prolific or most successful returner in KSU history uh, graduate from school, I believe. Totally. And we have uh, another, another uh, signee that we also, that also has some kick returning ability that we're going to talk about later, but I definitely see him potentially getting in the mix for, you know, kick return, punt return jobs. Awesome. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Devin Ross, a six foot 160 D back out of Thomas County Central High School, Thomasville, Georgia. Uh, Ross is listed as a three-star on 247 and on three and a two-star on rivals. He held D1 offers from Western Michigan, Northern Illinois, and FCS Wofford. Uh, as a high school senior, Ross accounted for three interceptions and seven pass deflections. And if I'm not mistaken, he played for and won a state championship at 
uh, was it the four A level this year? Six uh, A, yeah. So six A was yeah six A was Thomas County Central and Woodward this year, um, and Thomas County Central won the state championship. So both Devin and uh, Taiwan, who we're about to talk about, both state champions at Thomas County Central. I love getting kids from state championship programs, right? What well, winning pedigree you bringing in kids into a culture that has had sustained sustained success. Um, I, I think that the, these types of guys are the difference when um, when it really matters. So he's a lockdown cover corner. Um, I see him as a guy that can play press man and off man. You know, I don't, you know, obviously he can play some zone and do all that, but he he really shines as a as a lockdown corner. You know, you can put him on on a, a, a team's best re- receiver and let him travel um, wherever he wants to go. Literally his first play of his tape, he jams Woodward's wide receiver all the way out of bounds into Woodward's bench, um, which got me fired up. Um, he's got great ball skills. He shows the ability to get his head around on um, when the when the ball's in in the air. And something that's really interesting um, and hard to find is he understands being in phase and being out of phase and when to not panic, right? And a lot of times you you see these these DBs, especially on Sundays, where you know they're out of phase and that you know they 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 panic and they just go ahead and grab onto something. He's really patient as that ball's coming down when he's out of phase and punching through the hands, trying to make a play, or when he is in phase, being being really intelligent and getting his head around um, and making the play on the ball. I mean, his first three interceptions are just outstanding plays. So I'm super excited about Devin. I think that, um, again, I'm biased because I think Gwinnett County ball is the best in the state, but Thomas County Central has a very talented high school football team this year, this past year and um, a sustained culture of success. So I'm excited to be getting two of their guys on our in our program. Absolutely. So let's talk about the second guy, Taiwan Christopher. Uh, also from Thomas County Central, uh, a bigger DB at six foot, 200 pounds. Christopher is listed as a linebacker safety or D back, depending on where you're looking. Uh, offer list includes Western Kentucky, Howard and Alabama state. And as a senior, Christopher started all 15 games, uh, including the state championship game, logged 78 tackles, 14 uh, were tackles for loss. And he was named the MVP of that state championship game. Yeah, I, I, I like this kid a lot too. Um, he's got great spatial awareness. And to me, he is a true like Sam backer in a four, two, five system. So you're still going to have that in a three, four. Um, they're still going to do some similar things. Typically your field outside linebacker is going to be a little bit more of a, a hybrid safety outside linebacker, whereas the boundary outside linebacker is more of a hybrid defensive end outside backer. So I see him as that Sam backer. He reminds me a lot of Bryson Armstrong, his ability to drop in the zone. He understands leverage. He understands coverage, coverage fits. Um, he fits the run really well, tackles really well, um, and shows the ability to cover. So I think that he's a, a super versatile player that I think we're going to be able to utilize in a lot of different packages, um, like some of the other guys that we've talked about of, you know, as a, as a good blitzer, as a guy that can cover, we can do a lot of unique special stuff with him. So I'm really excited about Taiwan. Awesome. Next up on our list is Terrence Curtis, who is the late addition to the 2024 class out of Parkview High School in Gwinnett. So going right back to Gwinnett County, uh, Curtis listed as a three-star by On3 and ESPN and boasts impressive lists of offers. In 22, he received looks from Ole Miss, Maryland, and UCF. Uh, whether or not those were PWOs um, is or committable, um, that's unknown. Uh, more recently, Curtis has been offered by uh, some G5 programs, UAB, Georgia Southern, Arkansas State, and FCS programs like Wofford, Gardner-Webb, and Elon. Listed at six foot 175, what do you see from Terrence Curtis? 
I see a I see a body type like Dorian Walker um, for those that were Owl fans back in 2017. Transferred in from Georgia Tech um, was a long, rangy corner um, that could play man, but was truly like a good, really good zone corner. Um, understood leverage, understood how to use his length as as an asset. Um, you know, I, you don't see him make a ton of interceptions on his tape, but he's in great coverage all the time. He's always right there. Um, obviously, like I said earlier, Gwinnett County football, really good stuff. He's lined up against some really good receivers. Um, he's, he's super technically sound, um, and super physical. Um, so I, I actually really like watching him from a press alignment. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what our secondary looks like from this new system. Um, but again, I, I think that him playing in Gwinnett and the Gwinnett County leagues that, that are up there, that region in Parkview, you know, they play North Gwinnett, they play some really talented receivers that play on Sundays. Um, and he just is right there every single time the ball's thrown his way. He's right in, right in phase, right where he's supposed to be. Never really seems to panic, even if he gets out leveraged. Um, he knows how to use his length and his range. So I'm, I'm super excited about him. And you'd, I'll say this just as a funny little aside. Uh, you don't have to talk about um, cornerbacks not getting interceptions with me. I am a Jets fan, and I will preach Sauce Gardner uh, until he – leaves and I will follow him when he does because uh, I mean when you're just forcing the ball in other directions you're just cutting someone out of a game entirely and it just it, it's it's a beautiful thing and it is underrated uh when getting looked at in the numbers totally totally did we talk about Parkview without mentioning Jeff Rancor we we did not mention Jeff Rancor um you know home of, home of Jeff Rancor Parkview um, had a new head football coach this year, lined up against North Gwinnett and ended up beating them. Great baseball program, um, you know, sustained success. Um, but, yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll take you from Parkview High School over to Pickens County High School in Jasper, Georgia, where we have Isaiah Williams, the lone tight end commit from the 2024 class. Uh, Williams is a bulky 6'4", 235, and has posted offers from Navy, Maine, and Stetson, along with several D2 schools. Uh, as a senior, Williams started every game and hauled in 12 catches for 99 yards, so it's safe to assume he's being brought in for his blocking abilities. Um, but I'm sure that Coach Nick will be able to break that down for us now. Yeah, he's absolutely being brought in for those abilities. He's not a crazy, you know, super talented athlete in space. He, he does show the ability to do some different route running and uh, catch the ball in space, but he's not, you know, he's not a Travis Kelsey out there. That's a true vertical threat, right? He's, he's, he's in there to, to, you know, lay the lumber a little bit and, and get some people moved out of the way. Um, he, his very first clip of his film shows you exactly why we recruited him. He is a physical blocker that has some route running skills, um, but it's going to be interesting to see how we utilize him with the talented tight end room that we have with Carson Kent and others um, and under a new system under Chandler Burks and, and uh, Stuart Cook. I, I really like this kid. Pickens County is a, um, uh, it's a very tough blue collar high school football program up in North Georgia. Um, they've had a lot of success. You know, so he's going to be well coached. I, I like this kid a lot. I think that our tight end room will continue to get more talented. And based on what we do offensively, we'll be able to do more and more um, out of some of the more 12 and 11 personnel sets that we've been showing. And even if he's not as uh, big of a threat in the passing game, I think the next person that we're going to talk about uh, is. So let's move over to the wide receivers and let's talk about one of the biggest highlights out of this year's class. And that's Christian Moss. 6'3", 200-pound wide receiver, 
returns to his hometown in Kennesaw, where he attended North Cobb High School after a year of inactivity. Uh, so Moss started his collegiate career at the P5 level with Virginia Tech. Uh, he tallies six receptions as a freshman for 71 yards. Um, it seems like Moss is now where he wants to be, a very talented player. Um, I'm going to expect him to have an immediate impact. I'm sure a lot of Owl Nation is uh, just based off of um, the the initial excitement we saw for the, the commitment. So, Coach, what did you see on the film that either validates that or uh, might negate it? What do you got? I mean, anyone with eyeball, anyone with eyeballs is going to know that this kid's a dude. He's an absolute playmaker. Um, he's explosive off the line. He has tremendous ball skills. Like this is this is an absolute home run get for us. I mean, he's a huge 6'3", 200-pound wide receiver. Um, and he's in that boat of we got to get Christian X amount of touches per game, right? We kind of said that about Gabe Benyard last year. This is a guy that has to touch the ball multiple times a game in multiple different ways. Um, he's an absolute game changer um, from a skill standpoint. So this is a very good gift for the Owls. Um, he's back home right by North Cobb. North Cobb's a tremendous high school program, so he's been well coached. Um, I'm super excited to see where he, wh how he fits into our offensive scheme because, you know, the best coaches don't fit, fit players into their scheme. They fit their scheme around their players. And this is this is a guy that you got to you gotta have a couple of play calls that maybe are a little different than your normal scheme just to get him the ball. Um, and so I'm, I'm definitely excited to see how we utilize him. Did you gotcha. catch any um, highlights from Virginia Tech? I didn't. You know, I mean, I, I really focused on the high school tape. Um, you know, I think that obviously his Virginia Tech tape will be a little bit different. He's got only six catches for 71 yards, so not a ton to find. But um, he's only been a, a year removed from high school. So, I, I mean, the player that we're getting is um, super polished already. Um, so it's going to be exciting to see what we do with him. Yeah, I think he's uh, two years removed, actually. I think he uh, missed a year last year, uh, but only one year of actual credit to his uh, status, so to speak. Um, so I guess apples to apples, you know, looking at him on tape, you know, I guess you could see why he had the ACC offers just by the way you're talking about him. So, oh, totally makes sense. I mean, he, he is a big time impact player. Um, you know, and maybe he just didn't quite find his fit, whether it was the school or whether it was the coaching staff, or maybe he didn't love being that far from home. You know, maybe his family is super important to him. You know, I, I can't speak to any of that, but from looking at his tape, he is a, an impact player at our, at, at the, um, mid-major group of five level F, F, FBS football. The fact that he even saw the field at Virginia tech as a freshman, let alone, you know, had six catches you know, not just was out there just to be out there as a decoy and, you know, garbage time. He actually got some balls thrown at him, even no matter what the situation was, says something to me. Totally. So we'll move on to our next wide receiver in the class, and that's going to be Javon Rogers, a six foot, 170 pound wide receiver out of Montevallo or Monteveo High School in Montevallo, Alabama. Rogers is rated a three-star prospect on 247 and cracks the top 75 high school players out of Alabama in his class. Rogers has a very impressive list of offers, including P5 Indiana and Group of Five Georgia State, Jacksonville State, MTSU, App State, Memphis, Navy, Liberty, Western Kentucky, UAB, and Marshall. Now, with the lack of pass-catching depth at receiver for KSU, Rogers is another new addition you could hear a lot of in 2024. What do you say, Coach? 
Yeah, he shows a lot of different ability in his route running, his body control. Um, and this is another kid that flashes as a kick and punt returner as well. So um, that's a big role that we're going to need to fill with the departure of Isaac Foster. Um, but this is another great get. Um, you know, he's a three-star for a reason, and I don't, you know, typically play into what everyone gets ranked in their, you know, five stars and four star, stars and all that. But this is a legit recruit um, that, you know, kudos to, um, you know, our staff for getting this guy on campus because um, he's, he's he had a lot of really great opportunities uh, ahead of him and and he's coming to us. So uh, super excited. I know Alabama is typically um, Coach Cook. Um, I know Chandler has has some of Alabama. I don't know where Montebello, Montebello is, but uh, kudos to whoever recruited him and the staff for getting him on campus and showing him that love because um, this is a guy that I definitely see, you know, making an impact uh, right away as well. When rounding out our wide receiver recruits, we have Jaden Robinson, uh, 2024 signee, uh, 62195, hails from South Walton High School in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. So that's not Walton High School in Cobb County. Uh, Robinson is another 247 sports three-star and had offers from Western Kentucky, Georgia Southern, Florida A&M, Bethune-Cookman, and Bryant. Uh, Robinson had a great senior year of high school ball, uh, falling just short of a 700-yard receiving season and tallied eight touchdowns. Coach Nick, what did you see from Jaden Robinson? I like this kid. He's a, he's a big body wide receiver. Um, he's a little more Justin Sumter esque than the others. You know, more of a bigger body that is gonna is is gonna use his body to go up and get the ball. Um, in fact, on his tape, I had to scroll through about fifty basketball highlights to get to his football highlights. He's a pretty good basketball player and. Um, you can kind of see that in the way that he goes up and gets the ball. He, he's great at kind of boxing out and using his body as leverage to go snag the ball from people. So um, definitely makes sense there. Um, I'm also very jealous that he grew up in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida and South Walton High School. If you ever need a, a head football coach, give me a call. Um, no, just kidding. Um, but seriously, I, I think he's a good player. Um, again, another three star had some big time offers. Um, this is a great get for us. Um, you know, I don't know how great that area of football is, you know, that, that kind of stretch of 30A football. I can't imagine there's, there's a lot of, ton, a ton of talent. I was watching the film and there's some decent kids out there. So obviously not Walton high school, but um, still talent is talent. And I, I think that um, this kid has it. Love to hear that. We'll move over to our running backs um, and there were none. So I'll send it over to John now to talk about quarterbacks. This lone quarterback in the class, uh, we have Lucas Shearhorn. He's a 6'1", 190 QB from Klein Oak High School in Spring, Texas. Uh, he's an interesting prospect um, because, as we mentioned earlier, like Chandler Burks back in the day, KSU appeared to be his only D1 uh, money offer um, at the FBS or FCS levels. Um, he told I spoke to Lucas on Twitter. He found out about Kennesaw after sending out his film to different college coaches, and Coach Burks was one of the ones to answer his messages. Uh, he told me that the move to Conference USA and his connection with Coach Birch drew him to KSU initially, but after the visit, seeing how genuine the coaches were in the location, he was fully sold. He is a first-generation college athlete and lists himself as running a 4.49 uh, 40. As a senior in high school, he threw for uh, 1,363 yards with 13 passing touchdowns and also 724 rushing yards with six rushing touchdowns. Among his other offers were Valparaiso, which I think is FCS non-scholarship. Yeah, they're in the same league as Davidson and Stetson and all those uh, Pioneer League um, awesome. schools. Yep. So that is an FCS offer, but they don't, you know, they don't give money. So I kind of only kind of count it. 
Um, then you have Blinn College, Benedictine College, and our friends, Virginia Lynchburg, who we're all very familiar with from playing uh, last year. So I I don't know much about Lucas, his tape. I'll have to go to you, Coach Nick, but I will say he made the right choice by not choosing Virginia Lynchburg based on what we kind of found out about that place after the season. Totally. This is this is going to be one of my uh, like first take moments where I'm going to say refer back to this moment, you know, two, three, four years from now. I think that Lucas Shearhorn is an absolute stud. And the fact that he didn't have really any other offers and that no one was really recruiting him is, again, another kudos to Chandler Burks and recruiting this kid. Um, and kudos to the kid for advocating for himself and sending his tape out to these colleges and saying, hey, I, I want to play. Here's what I can do. I watched his tape and the, within the first I mean, John and I actually watched his tape together for like the first 30 seconds. Within the first 30 seconds, I told John, I was like, this kid's a, a player. How does he not, what, what offers does he have? How does he not have other stuff? Um, it, it makes no sense to me. I think he's an absolute um, stud. You know, obviously he's got to be developed, but from a high school prospect standpoint, from a quarterback standpoint, for what we've had, I think he's a really good player. Um, you know, he's not as athletic as Murph or some of the other really athletic under center quarterbacks that we've had to run triple, um, but he's a much better passer in that regard and has also shown the ability to take off. His very first or second clip, he takes off for a 60-yard touchdown. I mean, he's a really good player. Um, and th this is this is the type of kids that Kennesaw State has built the program on. And I'll close with this. Like, these types of kids that have been overlooked, and there's a couple of them in this class, these types of kids that have been overlooked, right, that have that chip on their shoulder, that have something to prove, that is what that is what has given us success in the first decade of Kennesaw State football. And in order to kind of get back to that and get the two and eight or two and seven uh, record out of our taste out of our mouth, these are the types of kids that are going to help us get there. So I'm super excited about this kid. Um you know, Klein Oak is in a good football league. It's an independent school district um, out there. They play Klein Kane and a bunch of other Klein something schools. Um, so, I, again, this is the type of kid that our program is built on. Uh, I, I'm I'm thrilled to see that we, we landed him and super excited about this class as a whole. First off, that sounds like absolute paradise for Liam Klein. Just, you know, Klein's everywhere. Um, and uh, <laughs> Lucas Sheeran, he's listed as 6'1", 190. I think he's closer to six feet. Um, but, you know, if he had, you know, probably three, four, five more inches on him, I mean, you know, we're probably talking about somebody that's got a lot of offers. Yeah, totally agree. And I think that's kudos to our staff of not playing the measurables game. A lot of colleges get caught up in recruiting and looking at, oh, well, he's not six, three, you know, we can't, we can't take him. He's not, he doesn't fit this mold. Well, you know, the mold is meant to be broken. I mean, Kennesaw State football wasn't supposed to have the success that it was as a startup. We broke that mold. We've never, you know, shoot, I was a 5'11", 265-pound defensive tackle playing for us, you know? Like, we, we've never been the the program that has the prototypical players. Um, we've taken the the athletes that have a little bit, a little moxie about them, have some grit, have that eat. Um I think that when Lucas took his visit, I think he felt that, and I think that we felt it from him too. So I think it's a great fit. Yeah, and we're not looking for, you know, a traditional pro-style quarterback anyway. So, you know, the 6'3", 6'4", is not really necessary in this offense. He's probably somewhere in size, like what, between, somewhere between Chandler Burks and, and Daniel David, right? Yeah, I mean, to me, he, he his film reminds me a lot of Daniel David. And Daniel was 
you know, I think Daniel would have benefited more from the offense that we're in now than the being in the triple back then. Um, but Daniel, you know, wanted to be closer to home. He did a great job running running the under center triple stuff that we were in, um, was a great teammate and was a super good athlete. I, I, like I see a lot of Daniel David in Lucas Shearwan. Awesome. Well, that's, that's pretty much everybody. We're going to have, you know, some preferred walk-ons we already have committed. We're not going to go over those, but if you want to see the preferred walk-ons, you know, I'm compiling them. I have a spreadsheet on ksuowlhowl.com. I list the PWOs at the bottom and I'll keep adding them as people are added. And, you know, as I mentioned, you know, we'll see who we sign, you know, over the coming months, over the, you know, before the summer, maybe after the summer, have coach Nick back on to talk about a few other people that make their way to Kennesaw. Um, this class is 23, I believe. Coach Bohan was kind of mentioning, you know, target was about 25. Um, you know, he'll probably take up to 30. So, you know, I imagine at this point, we're just going to kind of wait and see what shakes loose from other schools. Uh, maybe a late signing is going to break our way. That kind of thing. Somebody's going to decommit, move closer to home, whatever it might be. Um, is this kind of now we can be a little bit more picky and choosy, Coach Nick? Yeah, I, I think that the, the the nucleus is there. I think that, one, this is obviously the best signing class that we've ever had um, in program history. Um, I'm, I'm As I'm watching it, I'm almost like giddy watching it of like, oh, my gosh, we have a lot of talent coming in. Um, how are we going to be able to utilize this guy? What's this guy going to do? What you know, I, I can't wait to see what this guy does um, more so than I ever have. And I think now, yeah, we're, we're kind of back in the driver's seat of like, okay, we've gotten – we, we filled a lot of the holes that we had, especially up front. The offensive line was a major concern. Um, kudos to the coaching staff for filling a lot of those holes up front and getting some really talented guys. And, you know, no offense to previous guys that we've had that have played offensive line in our system, you know, the Zion Katinas of the world, but these guys are just different. They're, they're totally different bodies. They're totally different athletes than what we used to recruit. Um, and so kudos to us for making that that shift and getting these bigger guys. And obviously the move to Conference USA has helped there. So we're, we're definitely going to be a lot more selective in these last few spots. And I think the coach Bo has always been very selective even when we haven't had an had a full signing class, he's very selective in who he takes because he wants it to be a culture fit on both sides. He doesn't want people to come in here. He doesn't want guys to come in and ruin the culture that he's worked so hard to establish. Um, so I do. I think if we do take anyone late, um, at th this late after the second signing period, it would have to be a great cultural fit. And this has to be the best class ever, seeing as how you know it's comparing against FCS classes, and you know you're seeing more talent, but you have to keep in mind we're also going to be playing you know, teams that have the same advantage as us and more scho more scholarships than us and all of this kind of stuff. So, you know, we need this to be like that, that class when, uh, you know, Thomas Dimitrov and Mike Smith were hired for the Falcons. They drafted Matt Ryan. They'd signed Michael Turner. They had a couple other foundational draft picks. I think that was the William Moore class, Thomas Deku maybe, but they, they had some people that contributed right away. And if this class is that foundational class, then coach Bo can, Really, you know, we could win some games this year, actually. We just need to put it together. We need to take these ingredients. I saw a stupid meme the other day. It was like, uh, you know, tacos before and then tacos after or something like that. And, you know, this is like we have all the ingredients set up. We just have to make put them together and like make a taco. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping for the best. And, you know, if we don't make progress this year, you know, we could be in trouble. But you know, the coaching staff, I think, you know, did everything they could to put themselves in position, put the owls in position. And now we just have to make it work. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you. I think this is this is a huge step in the right direction of kind of making our entrance into Conference USA. And, you know, we already got some good rat poison and bulletin board material with the uh, preseason Conference USA rankings coming out and then picking us to finish dead last. So um, I know that that uh, that won't be taken lightly. Yeah. Uh, Producer Nick, what is your take on, uh, you know, the class as a whole and your thoughts right now? I'll tell you, going through the, the 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 back end of all of this made me a lot more excited for KSU football than I initially was. And I know last year was, in, in a lot of people's eyes, and maybe even some of the players and coaches, a throwaway year because we weren't really able to play for anything outside of the game that was right in front of us. But uh, I'm I'm starting to feel the juice for for KSU football again. Like there's just something that uh, th this class and the, the recency bias, I don't know. It's just starting to all come back together. I know everyone kind of got scared when uh, both the DC and OC left, but uh, for me, I think we're getting back to our roots. I think we are sticking to KSU and we're, we're, we're really trying to embrace that. And coach Nick keeps saying it, it's the E it's the tough, it's the grit and you can't deny it. You really just can't. So I'm, I, I can only, be uh be hopeful and i'm excited to see the product that we put on the field starting off the season and last but not least you got to keep in mind that a lot of these guys that we talked about probably will get opportunities to play seeing as how bare we are on the offensive line as well as scheme fits you know we were changing a lot of stuff up and um there's a lot of opportunity to be had you know wide receivers were bringing in um two even though they're two freshmen we had only how many guys that, you know, are Blake Bohannon. He's a blocker first. I mean, you think Blake Bohannon is brought in, you know, he's caught some big passes, but he's not caught in to uh, burn the defense deep or anything or run the entire route trait. We, we're getting some guys in that can, you know, be explosive. Um, I think the season, though, you know, it's going to come down to can we find a guy in the quarterback room that can play at a solid level? And that's probably what still worries me the most right now. I think we brought in enough offensive linemen to where, you know, that want to play our style to where we can hopefully, you know, piece together, you know, a solid maybe uh, seven or eight, find a couple that can snap the ball based on, you know, guys returning from last year, Hines, Pennington, um, guys that spend another year uh, evolving to a more traditional style. Um, but uh, yeah, um, that's, that's my biggest worry is QB. But if we can get, Davis Bryson, if we can, you know, if Shearhorn wants to be a stud freshman, go for it. But that QB room, I think, is going to tell the story. Yeah, I totally agree. That's the biggest question mark. I mean, there's a lot of pieces that are going to be available. It's going to be who's going to be the guy leading the offense. Yeah. And uh, I'm a little bit nervous right there. But coach, uh, producer Nick, I'm absolutely with you there. I feel like the juice is coming back a little bit, you know we were doing podcast after podcast during the season. It's kind of like, you know, same shit, different day. Oh, we just got beat down. What do we say here? What do we say now? It, it, it deflated us. And I'm sure it deflated the coaches too. And, you know, sometimes the off season is a good thing. So, yeah, the, the off season from a coaching standpoint, there's been a ton of movement, right? Coach Harris has been promoted to defensive coordinator and is moving to outside linebackers. Coach Burks and Coach Cook have been moved to co-OCs. Co um, you know, there's a new D-line coach. There's two new DBs coaches. Um, there, there's a lot of movement on the coaching staff side of side of things that I think has kind of put some new energy and some new juice into the building. 
Yeah, I want, I'm excited to see if Coach Burks and Coach Cook can, you know, take what, uh, you know, Coach Bohannon and Coach Chesnut were doing for so many years and kind of put a new power blocking, man blocking spin on it. You know, we might go back to something that not really looks like what we were doing, but a little bit more than what we were doing last year. So, you know, no matter what Coach Bo does, his forte is going to be, we're going to run it. We're going to run it hard and, you know, chew the clock up, and that's going to be his game. Yeah, that's that's Coach Bo's MO. We're going to run the football. We're going to control the line of scrimmage. We're going to play great defense, and we're going to be outstanding in special teams, and we're just going to be more dis- disciplined than you. And you add all that in with the pieces that we have now of being to get being able to get some explosions out of some of these really great athletes that we've got in, uh, I think we've got something cooking. Yeah, and Coach Nick, just kind of tell everybody what's coming up from a uh, you know an offseason perspective. You know, what are we? What are the players and the coaches doing from now until the start of the season? Tell everyone about the camps, that kind of thing. Yeah, so from what I understand, um, spring break got moved this year at Kennesaw State. I, I haven't kept up with the academic calendar in quite some time, um, but. I do know that they moved it to kind of align not so with Cobb County High Schools anymore. So because that moved, our spring ball is actually finally going to be during March and not during April. Um, so we're able to start spring ball, I believe, um, in about, I think it's in, I think sp- spring break is March 11th through the 15th. So they're starting spring ball on March 18th or March 17th, some, some, somewhere around there, um, which will be awesome to kind of get a true spring ball in and then have a little bit more time on the back end to get back into the weight room. So right now they're, they're about to start coaches runs, which are quite honestly the the worst thing ever. They're morning runs that, you know, the coaches put on and it's a conditioning session and um, it's, it's a mental toughness um, kind of style workout. Um, We'll go through, I think it's six of those uh, and then start spring ball after spring break. Um, we'll go go through spring ball, play the spring game. You'll, we'll get to see, you know, some of the new changes that we're about that we're talking about. They'll give them a little bit of time off. They'll they'll get back in the weight room. May is usually kind of a dead period, the you know right after um, graduation, and then when June when the end of May hits and early June, it's it's summer workouts, um, field work, all that good stuff, all the way until camp starts in July. And as soon as as soon as camp starts, I think it's you know it's that last week of July, somewhere around there, maybe a little bit before. As soon as that hits, it's it's on till game one, and we got to play uh, a twelve game schedule this year, which we've never played before either. So definitely things to keep in mind. And what's the spring practice schedule look like? You know, after what's how many hours a day? What is that kind of looking like in detail? A little bit. Yeah, your typical spring practice is going to be very much like an in season um, practice day. You're going to start with um, either a lift or something in the morning. You're going to come back and have uh, unit meetings. You're going to have individual position meetings. Uh, maybe a walkthrough, and then spring practice is, I mean, it's a little bit more full go than than the fall is because, they, you know, you have a limited amount of time to get all of your practices in before um, the spring game to determine what your roster and your depth chart is going to look like before you go into fall camp. Um, so there will be a lot of live best-on-best best interaction between the offense and defense. There will be some live special teams. Um, so it, it will be a really exciting time to see all the changes um, that, that the coaching staff is putting in. Um, but it'll be a super competitive spring. I can imagine that, especially with all the mid-year transfers coming in in January, um, seeing what they can do. So when do you think is a, you know, a good time to where, you know, the coaches will kind of, you know, get to really know what they have to them based on what's enrolled right now on campus? I would say 
that second or third week of spring ball, they're going to have a really good idea of whether or not we got what we need or we don't. Um, and so I would say by the end of March, we'll, we'll know. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll have a, a mid-March update um, podcast to talk, to talk about that. I'll, I'll try and I'm, I'm definitely going to go to some spring practices and watch um, and see what everything looks like. But you, you really don't know. The first couple of weeks is all install from the offensive side. And then with a new defense this year, it's going to be a lot of install as well. So we may not know what we have till the very end of spring ball. But, um, you know, the, the the competition certainly is high during spring spring practice. That's all I've got, Coach Nick. I mean, Producer Nick, what you got? I was going to say, so that means even if the roster isn't fully fledged out, we know who the starters are. We might know what that offensive scheme looks like before we go into the season. We de- I mean, those that attend practice will know, um, but Coach Bo is going to keep, you know, media and all them out after about the first four or five periods of practice, and he's going to keep that close to the vest. He's still a triple guy through and through, and triple guys don't like, you know, secrets getting out about film or what they're doing. So uh, I, I can imagine we're going to keep that pretty close to the vest unless you actually go and watch a practice. Understood. I was curious because I was like, is Owl Nation going to get a, a sneak peek from Coach Nick the next time he comes on the podcast? <laughs> uh, yeah, I might, I might be under an NDA the next time that uh, that I come on the podcast. We might be able to get some nuts and bolts type things, you know, um, very yeah. basic <laughs> bare bone skeleton type outlines, but no, of course, nothing too detailed. For sure. No. As always. All right. Well, well, everyone, thank you so much for uh, listening to our very first uh, signing day special. Hopefully we'll have uh, Coach Nick back here when it makes sense. I'd like to also thank uh, producer Nick Masseroni for sitting in for Kai Millette. And a special uh, thanks to Kai for, uh, even though he couldn't make it um, due to circumstances tonight at the last minute, he did uh, send all, all of my lead work. All, all of, of the legwork leg to Nick, <laughs> to producer Nick, to read off on those notes. Uh, so again, thank you, Kai, for all of that. And I hope everybody has a great rest of the week. Thank you for listening to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter X at Kai Millette and at KSU Owl Howl. Make sure you're following our show account at Owl Chat Podcast and have notifications turned on so you're up to date on all new OCP episodes. Be sure to check out Kai's publication at BigOwlBlog.com and John's KSU message boards at KSUOwlHowl.com slash forum. Until we return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!